All righty, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Awesome. We're going to go ahead and take up our offering now. So if you have the offering buckets, it should be on, I believe, this side. If you could just pass them down the road, that would be great. Um, thank you guys so much for trusting God and trusting us enough to give of your resources. Uh, we don't take that for granted. And uh, we thank you so very much for, again, trusting God uh, with, your, uh, with your money. Um, God's Word is so clear all over the Scriptures, the fingerprints all over this, but wherever your treasure is, there your, anybody know? Heart will be also exactly right. So thank you so much for being faithful in your giving. We believe that every dollar you give goes towards change lives. So we're in week three of our series entitled, Right in the What? Right in the Eye, exactly right. And uh, really excited about today. I am crazy excited about next week. And let me tell you the reason why. is because on week four, next week, we are talking about Samson. You may not know this, but Samson was a judge of Israel. And uh, we're going to see he has the most jacked up life ever. And we're going to be talking about all of that next week. Uh, Our children's environments are open next week because uh, we couldn't talk about half of his story uh, with kids in the room. And uh, so, um, and I would also say thank you so much for your for your patience, uh, for uh, allowing your kids to be in here with us today. Um, we know that it can be a distraction, and I totally get that. So uh, we have a couple environments, just to let you know, that they get a little too uh, raucous. Uh, we have a TV out in the hallway. We also have an overflow, uh, and uh, so, but I totally get that. So, and hopefully I'll, well, I'll try to make this quicker so that we can be able to get out so that you guys can go on with your day. So um, what, what, as we kind of dig into today's message, I just want to ask a, a, an open-ended question. Um, that I want us all to kind of process through as we look at God's Word today. And the question is simply this, do you want to really be like everybody else? Do you really want to be like everybody else? Do you want to be average? Uh, When you set your goals in life, you say, hey, I want to be like her, I want to be like him, or I want to be like she. uh, I mean, do you really want to have a marriage like everybody else? Do you really want to have relationships like everybody else? Do you really want to have kids and parents, parent kids like everybody else? Do you want to date like everybody else? Do you want to manage your money like everybody else? Do you want to manage your morality like everybody else? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were writing down goals and you said, you know what, my goal in life is to be like everybody else. At the same time, the truth for all of us is that for the most part, we're kind of like everybody else. In fact, if I could just simply say it this way, most of us, we want our lives to look like a beer commercial. I don't know what it is about beer but they have some of the funniest and the best commercials out there. Does anybody agree with me? So, I mean, they just do. Um, and when you look at a beer commercial, I mean, you look, I mean, everybody's happy. They're smiling. Um, they're just excited about life. Everybody is young. Nobody's getting old. Uh, it, it, everybody is, it's the afternoon and it's moving towards a fantastic evening. The sun is shining. Uh, nobody uh, wants to have a real job in a beer commercial. Um, they have plenty of money. There's no debt. There's no worries. And it's just all smiles. Everybody else wants their life to basically look like this. A beer commercial. 
but it doesn't. Because everybody else is worried. Everybody else is in debt. And everybody else is desperately trying not to turn out like their parents, which because their folks are going to try to not turn out like their parents, they're going to become like their Exactly right. Everybody else doesn't enjoy what they have because they're so busy trying to get the stuff they don't have that they can't stop and enjoy what everybody else has. Everybody else drinks a little too much. Everybody else is taking stuff you don't even know that they're taking and you just think that they're just happy and they're just you know happy but they're chemically happy. You don't know that though. Because everybody's going, wow, they're just happy. I wish I had that type of joy in my life. And except for every once in a while, they take it a little bit too close together, and you're going, I don't know if that's normal. Everybody else is worried, and everybody else is dating like everybody else and moving in with everybody else, and everybody is just doing it. Everybody else is doing. Everybody else, if you're a single woman, you troll with your body because that's how you get guys. Everybody else, especially single guys, they're thinking, why in the world would I get married when I can have the primary benefit of marriage without being married? Bless you. And in the world of everybody else, married women are hoping their husbands are faithful. But just a little bit suspicious. In the world of everybody else, men are wondering if they have to remain faithful because they got some friends. It seems like it's working out for them on the side. At the same time, they're wondering if they get caught. They're wondering what it would be like. In the world of everybody else, every teenager, even though they wouldn't admit it, really cares what everybody else thinks about them in high school. And no matter how many times we tell them, son, daughter, in four years, these people in your life aren't going to matter anymore. They still want to be like everybody else. In the world of everybody else, college students are scared to death because they're wondering if they're going to have a job because they think their future is dependent upon the economy. and They don't have any control over it. So let me ask you a question. In fact, it's the question this morning that I really want us to wrestle with. Who wants to be like everybody else? You know, it's, I think that question right there, for some of you, You've been looking, and you've been looking with other people, and you've been taking their cues, because everybody else is taking their cues from everybody else. In fact, some of you, though you're not everybody else, for some of you, you may be realizing taking their cues from everybody else, but get this. If you take your cues from everybody else, you're going to end up just like everybody else. Here's the big problem with taking our cues from everybody else. And again, you know this. You're smart. You're intuitive. You know that you're taking your cues from everybody else, but you're not getting the real picture. You're, you're taking their cues from their highlight reels, not their whole life, right? I mean, you're seeing them at their best. You're seeing them on Facebook or Instagram when they're at their best. The only time you're really acquainted with somebody's valley is if you're really close to them and you realize, oh, well, they just don't have their stuff together. But you look at people on social media and you think, wow, they're rich. And, and you see their highlight reels and they're happy. And their cars are never dirty. And they always seem to have a job. And their kids never act out in the restaurant, right? Oh. Or you, you see, you know, as a teenager, they've not wrapped their vehicle around a tree. And their teenager is just like Mary Poppins. And they're always singing. And a bluebird is on his shoulder or whatever. 
The problem is you're only seeing their highlight reels. You don't know that the person who had that cute hashtag on Instagram is in counseling. You never hear the arguments. Nobody posts a Facebook Live argument feed, right? They don't do that. You don't know that they've actually not been intimate in over nine months. They just look like everything's great, but really, it's just two people living living a single lifestyle. You don't know that in six months from now, he's going to check himself into a rehab center and be there for a year. You didn't see that coming. You don't know that she's just three months away from being sent somewhere because things have gotten so out of control. You don't know what people are taking. You know how much they drink in public, but you don't know how much they drink in private. You don't know how, have any idea about the relationship with their children. So we just see the highlight reels, and we take our cue from their highlight reels. And the strange thing that happens is, is because there's something else you don't know when you take your cue from everybody else. You don't know what's going on on the inside. We look at the outside but oftentimes, what we see on the outside isn't really true. It's not reflected on the inside. You see that he got a new car. You just didn't see that he's paying $600 a month in payments for it. Happy on the outside doesn't equate happy on the inside. Because you can't see memories. You can't see scars. You can't see guilt. You can't see debt. And here's the fact. The fact, I think many of us, if we were to tell our story, our story is simply just like this. If you had known that living like that on the outside would leave you feeling like this on the inside, you would have made a different choice, wouldn't you? You would. If you had known, if you had only known, if you could have peered into the hearts and the souls of the people that you've emulated and the people and the lifestyles that you've copied and the direction that you took, if you had known that living and making those choices like that would have you feeling like this on the inside, you would have chose differently. But see, that's the problem when you decide to take your cues from everybody else. You've done what everybody else is doing, and you look around and you look at them, and you go, wow, it's working out for them, so it'll work out for me. But what you don't know is it's not working out for them. Essentially, you've done what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. You've done what is right in your own eyes. You did what was right in your own eyes. But let's be really honest. In doing what was right in your own eyes, you abandoned what you suspected was right in your own heart. There was a tension, and now you're on the other side of some of these adult decisions. Now you're on the other side of some of these lifestyles, other side of some of these relationships. And though you never intended to be there, you're just like everybody else. So the question I'm going to ask, I'm going to move on, is do you want to be like that? Do you want to be like everybody else? If not i got some great news for you. You're in a great place because today your heavenly Father does not want you to turn out like everybody else. This verse is not going to be up on the screen, but Jesus said it this way. He says it simply this way. He says, your enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life and have it abundantly. I love that. Our big idea today is simply this. When you try to be like everybody else, you will get the life everyone else gets. 
Because when you try to be like everybody else, you're going to turn out just like them. But our Heavenly Father does not want you to turn out like everybody else. He has a plan for you. And on that plan, as we dig in, we're going to be looking at the book of Judges. That's what this series is. So let me give you a timeline of the book of Judges. Up on the screen, Judges happens. Moses takes God's people out of Egypt, let my people go. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness, takes him to the edge of the promised land. Moses dies, and then Joshua steps up, and he leads God's people into the promised land. And there, Joshua gets them tucked in. He, you know, he gets, sets the dorm room up, sets the closets up. He says, okay, i got to go, got to go home. And right before Joshua dies, he tells them some very important things that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, and, 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 what, and what Joshua basically says is this. Listen, this point in time, there's not going to be any leader. God is our leader. This is a theocracy where God is on the throne. And we see that this is a nation just ruled by law, and it was a disaster. For 330 years during the book of Judges, 13 times you see this disobedience, disaster, deliverance show up. That God's people disobey God, and eventually it gets so bad, it gets, I mean, they disobey so bad that it's just disaster. And what do they do? They cry out to their God, God, please help us. If you show up, I will never do this. I'll never go there. I'll never go there with him or her. And our Heavenly Father listened to them, and rescued them from their disaster. Only for them to get content and to get just kind of malaise. And then they started disobeying again. And by the way, I use the word malaise. Thank you. Word of the day, toilet paper. All right. That was uh, not my notes. I apologize. Okay. But see, here's the thing. The, the nation of Israel did exactly what you and I have done. Because how many of us in here have been teenagers? Right? You were a teenager, your parents said, don't do this. Be in by this time. And you were like, okay. But you didn't obey, right? And something happened. And your parents, you called your parents from the police station. Hey, mom and dad, I'm here at a police station and it's not for field day. Right? Uh, I need you to come pick me up. And they show up, and they have to. They wake up. You've woken up at one o'clock in the morning because of the role, the rules that you disobeyed. You disobeyed their rules. You inconvenienced them, and they had to come and rescue you. And just like that, God shows up to the nation of Israel thirteen times and rescues them. And I love this. He delivered the nation over and over and over. Which means the God that we're talking about. In this series, the God that we're talking about every Sunday morning here at OneChurch.tv is a God of compassion. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that will not force his will upon you. You do something stupid, there's going to be consequences. You make a bad decision, you're going to have to live with it. But he's not a God who abandons his people. I love that. You see, so many of us, when we think of Old Testament God and then Jesus, New Testament God, we see, wow, God in the Old Testament had some anger issues, but he actually went to counseling, took some Xanax, and now he's okay. But you need to know, God has not changed. The same God who is in the Old Testament is the same God who's in the New, and he loved his people in the Old Testament in the, under that Old Covenant. He loved them. He came up and he rescued them every single time. But the problem is, 
is the verse that we've been looking at every, every Sunday, is this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Translated, everybody did, kind of followed their heart. Everybody did what made them happy, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. The very nations that they looked around and said, hey, I want some of that, and I want to try this, I want to try that. The very nations that they copied, eventually they became captive to. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The thing that's mastered you, the thing that you wish you could, uh, you would have just never started because now you can't stop, the thing that you've drifted into because it looked pleasurable, now you can't get away, the thing that captured your imagination that's now captured your time and capturing your money, and you cannot say no to it. Same thing with the nation of Israel. The very nation that they looked at and they copied, they found themselves in captivity to. And what looked like a pastime was actually a pathway to destruction. Now, all of that could have been avoided if they would have just listened to Joshua. Joshua, he's at the end of his life, end of the book of Joshua, and Joshua huddles the people together and he gives them some great advice. But for some reason, either they forgot it or they ignored it, They didn't follow his advice. And today, I just want to simply say this. If you're feeling like your life is like everybody else, you and I, if we follow Joshua's advice today, we cannot turn out like everybody else, but we could be something that God wants us to be, and we could live life more abundantly. Joshua chapter 23, starting in verse 12. This is what it says. Don't ally yourself with survivors of these nations that remain among you. He says, stop. Look, you're going to be moving into a land, into the promised land, and there's going to be some people around you, people who've been there before, people that got there before you, and you're going to be living in this land. You're going to be rubbing elbows with these folks. Don't ally yourself. Don't embrace their lifestyles. Don't embrace their cultures. And and, and specifically, don't worship their gods. You're going to be with them, but you need to differentiate yourselves from them. You're going to work with them. You're going to work around them. But don't start looking over there and don't take your cues from the people around you. Because if you do, next verse, they will become what? Snares and traps for you. Whips on your backs and thorns where? In your eyes. That just sounds painful, doesn't it? How many of y'all, you have eye issues? Like, to just like put a drop in your eye. You struggle with that. Anybody? My wife is like that. I have to put eye drops in her eyes because she can't do it. Right? Um, it's, I mean, imagine having a thorn in your eye. Joshua says, if you start looking, you will start drifting. If you start looking, you will start lusting. If you start looking, you will start compensating. If you start looking, you will start embracing. If you start looking, you will start compromising your values, compromising your conscience. How many of you know that whatever you're looking at is the direction you're moving towards? Anybody know that? I learned this the hard way. I grew up here at Clarksville, went to Austin P. State University, and I decided my freshman year, I'm going to start running. So I did. I put on some, uh, they didn't have spandex back then, but if they did, I'd have bought them. Just saying. All right? Now, some of you, that's a mental image you don't even want to have right now. I get that. I get that. But I put on my gym shorts, put on my uh, T-shirt, and I just started running. I was on Madison Street. I was running down the road, and somebody honked at me. And I was like, oh, come on. I was putting, maybe I was putting out the vibe. 
You saying? So I was running, and they honked. And did you get that on camera, by the way? I don't know if you did. All right. I, I honked, and I looked, and I waved. And here's the problem. Wherever you start looking is the direction you're going to start moving. And I, as I waved, I, I wasn't running in a straight line anymore, and I hit a telephone pole. I can't even make that up. I still got splinters in my forehead. All right? See, here's the thing. What Joshua is simply saying is this. The reason you're going to move in their direction is because that's where you're looking. And it's going to look attractive. The reason why you're going to move in their direction is because it's going to look appealing. It looks like it's going to have a happy ending. But I am warning you. And end of the story, when you do what everybody else does, you're going to get the life that everybody else has. And it will be, become like snares and traps, like whips on your back or thorns in your eyes. In other words, the very thing that we talked about already, the thing that has mastered you began as appealing and now it's unsettling. It looked like a, 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 a pastime. I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to drink a little here. But now it's become a pathway, and you're an alcoholic. You, you're a user. You're addicted. And Joshua says, look, that's the danger of looking around. I don't want you to look around. I want you to look up. God wants you to look up and, and look in his direction because what looks attractive will eventually captivate you. Snares and traps, whips and thorns. Let's talk about unseeing some things. Well, isn't it true, come on, that all of us could say, I wish we could unsee some stuff. How many of y'all wish you could not have, I mean, some things maybe you saw as a child, maybe you saw as a teenager, maybe you just saw last week. You, there's some things you wish you could uh, you could not click on. There's the, your friend that can't, said, hey, listen, I bought a new one. Come over and, and, and let's get in it. You wish you wouldn't have done that. Because you sat in their new vehicle, which smelled what? New. new. I mean, there's nothing better than a new car smell. And it smelled like leather, right? And it's just, it fits like a glove. <laughs> and it just feels nice, right? And then you're like, oh, I wish I had one of these. And you go back to your minivan that smells like family, <laughs> Right? It smells like uh, a, a little bit of uh, a soured milk because somebody spilled their Cheerios in the back seat and milk went everywhere, and it's like, how come I can't have one of those? And you're like, man, I wish I, I'd never went there. Some, some things and some people we wish we could go back and unsee because when we saw what we saw, it impacted the direction of our lives. There's some people that we wish we could go back and unmeet people we wish we would have never answered the text. Some people that I wish I'd never met him. I wish I'd never returned the call. I wish I'd never returned the email. I wish I'd have never accepted her friend request. I wish, I wish, I wish. But isn't it true that things that capture our attention eventually determines the direction of our lives? The things that capture our attention determines our affection. And the next thing we know, they determine our direction, and we're moving in a direction, and we're just like everybody else. Here's what I know about you. None of us wanted to be like everybody else. None of us wanted to be there. But Joshua, he says this, he goes on, he says, They will become like snares and traps for you, whips for your back, and thorns for your eyes. And it's going to start off good, but it's going to get bad, is what he's saying. Until you perish from what? This good land 
which the Lord your God has what? Given you. Good given. Everybody said good given. Now here's the thing. This is so important because for so many of us, we're in here and I don't believe we believe that. You see, I believe that so many times, and I've kind of felt this way growing up as a teenager, that God was trying to keep good stuff from us. And, and, And it's like all of my friends were having fun, and gosh, if I started doing this and doing this and drinking here and using this, man, it would be so much more fun. And I felt like God was this kind of cosmic killjoy, that God was trying to keep something good from me instead of giving something good to me. And if we obey God's law, so many of us, we seem like we're missing out on the good. And God's saying, you're not missing out on the good. What you're missing out on is the bad. I'm trying not not to keep something from you. I'm trying to give something good to you. But the nation of Israel, they looked around at all their neighbors and said, man, it's working out for them. She's on her second marriage. It's working out for her. Everybody, It just seems to go up and up and up. But what they don't see is that it wasn't. So if you're here and you're considering becoming a follower of God, becoming a follower of Jesus, maybe you're coming back to church and this is your first time in a while, the the thing you need to really wrestle to the ground is this question is this. Is God for me? Is God for me? Or is God keeping something from me? You need to have an answer to that question. Do I believe God is for me, or do I believe that God is just getting his thrills by keeping something good from me? Do I believe that God is for me as an individual, or do I believe that by saying yes to God, I'm having having to miss out on some good things? Now, here's what's so interesting in the Old Testament. The very first people that God created, Adam and Eve, the very first temptation that they had, was by Satan, and it was around this simply thing. It was a temptation to believe that God was against the human race, not for the human race. And, and, and that's when Satan stepped in and says, did God really say? God, it, it, he's saying, telling you no to this because he's, he's wanting to keep you from having fun. And some of you, that's what you've been living the lie since high school. And you've been doing everything with everybody else thinking, you know what, that's fun. But now you know it's not fun anymore. Because you're waking up addicted and alone and isolated. And if you could go back and not be like everybody else, you would give your life to do that. It's God for me. It's God trying to keep something from me. The nation of Israel erred on the side by saying it appears to us. It looks like that as we look at the surrounding nations and we look at everybody else, it appears that God is trying to keep something good from us and not give something good to us. And look at what Joshua says. Next verse. Now then, Joshua says, throw away the foreign gods from among you. They're moving into the land. They're settling into the land. They're getting the rooms all set up. And Joshua says, TV time out. Look, if there's anything that you own, if there's anything in your life, if there's anything in your family, if there's anything in your refrigerator, anything in your cabinet, anything in the bar, if there's anything on your computer, anything on your hard drive, if there's anything in your closet, if you've got anything stashed away underneath the bed in a little box somewhere that's kind of just in case there's anything in you that has the potential to draw you away from your God, Joshua says, get rid of it. Throw it away. 
go to extreme measures because this is extremely important because walking away from God is extremely, extremely dangerous. And then he gets to this point. He says, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. And then he completes it by saying, do something and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. See, it's not just enough to get away from the bad influences. It's not just enough to throw away your drugs or to flush it down the toilet or to stop drinking so much alcohol or to say, you know what, I'm going to move out. It's not enough because if you just don't do that stuff, guess what? Nature abhors a vacuum. And if you say no to something, if you don't fill it with doing something, you will always end up like everybody else. And as a dog returns to its vomit, you will repeat your folly. It says, throw away the stuff, but yield your hearts. What does that mean to yield your hearts? It means simply to do this. That you look at your surroundings and your world the way God sees them. Because here's what I know. If you start looking at people and looking at your decisions the way God sees them, then it's going to start making sense and you're going to say, well, that's what I'm going to do. But if you, if you don't look at things and situations the way God sees them, you're going to look at like everybody else sees them, and you're going to turn out like, thank you, y'all listening. So, that's so interesting. It means that I'm going to date the way God wants me to date. That I'm going to draw boundaries when it comes to physical intimacy before I get married. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going to say, okay, it's okay for me. God's Word says it's okay to drink alcohol, but if I am drinking to get drunk, it is wrong. And I'm going to put up some boundaries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make decisions the way God wants me to make them. I'm going to yield my heart. I'm going to have relationships the way God wants me to have relationships. And I am going to draw boundaries. I'm going to do things the way He wants them done, because if I do things the way He wants them done, then guess what? I'm not going to turn out like... There you go. There you go. You see, as we boil this down, God, he has a kingdom. And in his kingdom, who's king, who's making the shots, is Jesus. And this, we have a kingdom of conscience. And what is conscience? Conscience is that little voice inside of you telling to do stuff. It's not on the outside. A conscience is where? Inside. And that's where it comes from inside out. And that's the way the kingdom of God works. It works from the inside out. That God wants to do something inside of you that impacts the way you live. It impacts the way you spend money. It impacts the way uh, uh, you have romantic relationships. It impacts the way you do everything in life. And some of you, you just need to pray the prayer, God, help me to see as you see. And if if I see as you see, then I will do as you say. I don't want to see everyone else the way I, everybody else sees them because I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to do what you want to do. But here's the problem. God's kingdom, the kingdom of conscience, works from the inside out. The problem is we live in a world of kingdom of covetousness, and that's where we're wanting stuff. And that's always outside in. You go to social media. You see, oh, they're in Paris, and it ain't Paris, Tennessee. Right? And you're like, man, how come we can't have that? And you covet it. You long for it. And it's always outside in influences. Or you go and you watch the television commercial. And they're trying to sell you something. you're like, oh. 
and you were happy with what you have, and now you're unhappy because you're coveting, and it's outside-in type of thinking. And here's what you and I both know. If you're parenting kids, which one do you want to have, inside-out or outside-in? We know this. We want to have that strength in the inside that we can be able to, they can say no to outside influences. Here's what I know about guys, men, women. You guys are smart enough to know this is true, that this is better, that inside-out is better. Man, I love that. So let me ask this question before we're done today, and it's simply this. Have you yielded your heart to the Lord your God? Yes, throw away all the stuff that's tripping you up, and that's what Joshua's saying. But are you doing things God's way? Have you yielded your heart? Some of you say, well, okay, Chris, I'm not a Christian. Okay, let's take Jesus out of it just a sec. Are you just doing what your conscience is telling you to do, that your mom has told you to do? And eventually, what I think is if you start following Jesus, Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. You see, I believe very pragmatically that Jesus, his words are true, his words are best. And if you want to live a life that's more abundantly, you don't live like everybody else, but you yield your heart, you take your cues from God. And you say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Everybody else is doing it that way. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm, not, I'm going to do it the way God tells me to do it. Because if you follow Jesus, Jesus will make you better, and he will make, you will become better at life. You will be a better husband if you follow Jesus. And you may not even believe in Jesus. Okay, just do what God says about marriage. Some of you, if, if you could just see your money the way God sees it, you would be out of debt already. You would. You would totally be there. If you would just say, okay, if following Jesus makes me better, then I, I'm going to be a better manager, a manager of my money. So as we leave today, I just want to challenge you to memorize and read something every single day this week. Everybody should have gotten these cards as you came in. Does everybody have these cards? Wave it to me if you do. How many of you don't? Raise your hands. Okay, that's way too many of you guys. All right, so I don't know if any of our staff is in here. Can y'all go grab some of these cards? It should be on the front table. And as you leave, we're going to be handing these out to you, God willing. So you're going to be getting a card that looks just like this. It says right in the eye. And if you flip it on the other side, it has a couple of verses from the book of Psalms. In fact, after this series, the, the series in Judges we're looking at right now, Carlo and I are going to be co-teaching through the book of Psalms. It's going to be really, really fun. It's called Mixtape. But I want you to look at Psalm 119, and it's 35, 36, and 37. All right. So I want you to put this on your refrigerator, put this on your visor, on your car as you flip it down, and just read it. And I want you to read it out loud. Because I know this, if you can read it out loud, it, eventually it will become a part of your nature. So thank you so much for handing those out. Thank you. So thanks, Ryan. Um, let me just read what's on this card because this can impact your life. It says, direct me in the path. Everybody say, direct me in the path. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. I, I, you know, I've taken a lot of different paths. You're praying, God, no, direct me in your path. It says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. My heart's been geared towards what's coming from the outside. God, I'm asking you to turn my heart so that it's geared towards what's coming from you on the inside. 
Turn my heart towards your statutes means commands or laws and not towards selfish gain. And God, everywhere I look, I get it, I get it. I get him, I get her, I get, 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 get. But God, now I'm just, I want to turn my heart towards you so that I can receive from you instead of just stuff that I want to covet. And then this is so powerful. Even if you've not decided to read one part, just, just this one, look at this. Turn my eyes away towards worthless things. Most of you, if you would just follow that advice, you would be, have a whole lot more money in the bank, wouldn't you? Right? Some of you, you all are QVC shoppers, and you've got Snuggies. Right? If you've got a Snuggie, know this, we are making fun of you. Okay? I'm just joking. But you know, I mean, how many of y'all, we've, we've, we've burned some money on some dumb stuff. Anybody ever done that? Yes, sir. If you're not raising your hand, welcome to One Church. You're also a liar. All right? Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Tricia. I want you to take this, and I want you to just read this out loud every day. And eventually, this will become a part of your rhythm and a part of your path. As the band comes down, I want to pray for us. And know this, if you're here, and you may be in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, maybe even your 50s, and you're like, man, I thought I, thought I would be in a different place. I was talking to a really good friend of mine. He's having his 10-year class reunion. And I said, so how do you feel? And I was thinking, well, he's going to say, I feel old. He says, unaccomplished. He was joking, but some of you feel that way today. And you feel like, I thought I would be on a different path. I feel like I would be in a different place. And now I just feel like I'm with everybody else. And you don't want that. Let me tell you what's more important. Your Heavenly Father doesn't want that for you. Let's pray. God. Lord, so many times it starts with our eyes. Turn our eyes away from worthless things, God. And let's put our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising our shame. Lord, let us keep our eyes on you. And let us trust not on our own selves, not lean on our own understanding, but trust in you, for you will make all of our paths straight. Lord, let us lean into your word. And for some of us who are here today, God, we look at our life and we're taking, we're just taking, looking at our life and we're going, I just, I'm taking aback. I just don't, this is not where I want to be. And I pray this discomfort, this discontent that you have in us right now, that you would be able to fan into flame so that you would allow us to be different, to be a different type of Christ follower, to be a different type of friend, to be a different type of man, a different type of woman, a different type of spouse, a different type of parent. Lord, that we would be able to honor you in all of our ways and acknowledge you in all of our ways. And Lord, that you would make our path straight. We know that the head that was once crowned with thorns is now crowned with praise. I pray that you would resurrect in us this passion, this desire to be different, to not just fit in, to not be like everybody.